Good morning, Battleground Community Church. Four years ago, we planted a campus from Parkwood Baptist Church. Parkwood West quickly became Parkwood Kings Mountain. And today, by the grace of God, we have officially constituted as a local church and planting our roots clearly and soundly in Kings Mountain, where we love. So if you've been with us, we've been looking at the last four or five weeks at our vision and purpose for Battleground Community Church, and we've been asking the question, what is the church? And so we want to finish that today by finishing our purpose statement. We'll read that in a minute, but first, turn with your Bibles with me to Matthew 28. We're going to look at verses 18 to 20. And I hope this is a very familiar passage to you, and we will read this together. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Let's stand in, in reverence for God's Word. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray together. Lord, as we, as we open up your word, we ask for wisdom and, and understanding to know how do we bring the Great Commission to bear in our King's Mountain and in our lives and to our neighbors and to the nations? And so, Lord, give us wisdom and understanding as we look at your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. And so if you've got your little handout, open up the first page. In it, you should see our purpose statement. We've been looking at this every, every week, and so let's read it again. The purpose of Battleground Community Church is to glorify God through Christ-exalting worship as we grow together in biblical community while going with the gospel to all peoples. And we've been looking at our vision and purpose through this purpose statement, but God's Word has informed our purpose statement. And so, remember, we've defined the church initially as a redeemed community that exists to proclaim the excellencies of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the one who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We looked at 1 Peter 2, 9-12. And then we ask the question, well, our purpose statement tells us our, our purpose is to glorify God, but how are we going to glorify God? And so we moved into our application of, of how are we going to do this as Battle Brown Community Church, and and we, we said that we're going to exalt Christ, and then we're going to grow in biblical community. And this week we want to look at that we're going to go with the gospel to all peoples. And we have said that this is our process of Battleground Community Church, to bring you and I and us as a community to unity and the maturity in Christ, to exalt Christ, to grow in biblical community, to go with the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. And so when we got into that, we, we said, well, let's expand our definition of what the local church is. And so here's the expanded definition. We looked at it last week. Let's look at it again. 
The local church is a community of regenerated believers who confess Jesus Christ as Lord. In obedience to Scripture, they organize under qualified leadership, gather regularly for preaching and worship, observe the biblical sacrament of baptism and communion, are unified by the Spirit, are disciplined for holiness, and scatter to fulfill the great commandment and the great commission as missionaries to the world for God's glory and their joy. And so we exist to glorify God. We glorify God by proclaiming His excellencies. And with the church, we see in this definition and why it's so helpful, we do it in two ways, how we gather and how we scatter. And it is the scattering we want to focus on this morning. The definition said, let me read it again. The end of the definition really grabs it for us this week. We want to scatter to fulfill the great commandment and the great commission as missionaries to the world for God's glory and our joy. So we want us to understand this morning that the great commandment leads to the great commission. And then this great commission is rooted in authority, is centered in truth, and it comes with a promise. But to start with, and I know many of us have heard many sermons on the Great Commission. I have preached a few myself. But I want us to understand this morning that the context for the Great Commission is the Great Commandment. And if we don't prioritize the Great Commandment, we will simply disregard the Great Commission. So, let's ask the question, what is the Great Commission? Sorry, what is the Great Commandment? If we don't know what it is then it's not going to mean anything to us. So we don't have to come up with the, the information on that. Jesus told us what it was. As a matter of fact, all of Scripture has declared it. And we see it in Matthew 22, verses 34. Matthew 22, verse 34 says this. And remember, this was the Pharisees who Jesus had some of the hardest things to say. The very most religious people are the ones... Um, that give Jesus the most trouble. Listen to what he said. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So we call the great commandment is to love God and to love others. And so we want us to see this morning that the great commandment propels us. It launches us to a great mission. And so to be a faithful witness to Christ we must first embrace the supreme Christian ethic, which is love. But we must understand love biblically. And to do that, we must understand Christ and His community, the church. Remember, when Jesus came, He raised up a people for His own possession. So turn with me <clears throat> to 1 John. We're going to use that. You may want to mark 1 John. This will be a parallel passage that we'll use to help us understand the Great Commandment and how it ties to the Great Commission. 1 John 1, let's look at verse 3. Remember, John is assuming you read John. Now he's writing 1 John. 
That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that your joy may be complete. And so we, we see with this text, there's two fellowships going on. There's one fellowship with each other, and then there's a fellowship with the triune God, with the Father, with the Son. And so when we entrust ourselves to Jesus, we instantly become attached to His people. And so to go to the nations, we must first share life with both Christ and His church. This is the foundation of mission. It is that we love each other. Fellowship is not a potluck. We're going to eat here in just a little bit. But if we don't share life with each other, we don't have fellowship. And we can just go eat together. But that's not fellowship. Fellowship is a shared way of life. If you turn over to 1 John 3, look at verse 23. It says, And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as He commanded us. And so our neighbors... And our, even our family must recognize our devotion to one another. Even when there's tension among us, they're going to notice the distinctiveness by how we love each other, even when we disagree. Our neighbors should recognize that our cultural and our political allegiances take a back seat to our devotion to, to the cross and to His church. Our neighbors are also going to recognize if our love hinges on our own personal and social ambition for this is how they live. First John 4 again says this, and listen to how John is talking to believers. He calls them beloved. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Listen clearly this morning. The Great Commission is hindered when the Great Commandment is disregarded. Let me say that again. The Great Commission is hindered when the Great Commandment is disregarded. This is one of my concerns this morning. That we all have five or six micro-communities that is fighting for church status in our lives. They could be our ball teams. They could be our dance class. They could be our careers, our schools, our hobbies. And so to substitute any of these good things and make them the center of your community is sin because it violates the great commandment. And it will lead us to making community out of those that we are being sent to as missionaries. Do we see this? If you make your school's PTA your core community, you won't see the PTA as a place where God is calling you to be a missionary. 
you won't be able to look for ways to bring your biblical community into the school so Christ might be proclaimed. Beloved, and I say that as John said it, we must and we should repent. If we have led our children to make dance and ball or school or recreation their community and not the church of Jesus Christ, for that is a tragedy in the making for our kids and for Christ's church. Listen to John again, John 13 and verse 34. John 13 and verse 34 says this, A new commandment that I give to you, that you love one another, just as I loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Remember, Jesus evangelized all people. Then he gathered a small group of men together. He lived everyday life with them. This is the context for the way he made them a follower, a disciple. And then he led them to a place where he left them with the Great Commission. The Great Commission is set in a context of an intimate personal relationship with a small group of people. This is how Jesus set up this Great Commission. And then he tells these people this these small group of people that had gathered together, and many other witnesses too, many believe, that this great commission is rooted in His authority. So now, back to Matthew 28. Look at verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority and in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So we see there immediately that this new community, this new family, were not only a family. We're also soldiers. It's no lazy, no passive kids in God's family. A lukewarm Christian is not a Christian. All are commissioned. All are commissioned soldiers, and He is our authority. So the significance of this text doesn't come from the command, and it doesn't even come from our involvement, but from the authority of Him who gives us the commission. So don't be deceived this morning. His command will make no difference to you if you do not submit to His authority. Clearly, to not live in biblical community is a lordship issue. And make no mistake about it this morning. Jesus has all authority, whether you and I recognize it or not. This authority is not given by man. It's given by God and was demonstrated when God resurrected Jesus from the dead. So we do not give him authority, but we must acknowledge his authority. We do not compel people to make Jesus Lord, but to submit to his lordship. And his authority will mean nothing as it relates to the Great Commission if we first do not first surrender to him completely, for he is our ruler. He is the fulfillment of Daniel 7.13. Do you remember that? Listen to what it says. Daniel 7, verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. 
and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. He is the ruler. He is the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy, and he is the creator of all and the ruler of you. Do you remember Job? Job chapter 38. you remember Job was afflicted? He had all of this suffering, and he had done nothing wrong. And Job begins to answer, ask God a question. Why is this happening to me? I didn't do anything. Answer me. What's, what did I do? Why is this happening? And God answered Job. Listen to just a few verses of this. Chapter 38, verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined this measurement? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Or where was this basis sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Abraham Kuyper said, There is not one square inch in all creation over which Jesus does not declare, It is mine, and I rule it. His authority, and therefore his mission, extends into all people. Mark 16, 15, remember, says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Do you see this? This is why the world cannot be your community. They are who we've been called to go to and proclaim the gospel to. Peter even says that we are sojourners here in this land. We've been placed here as his ambassadors, Paul said in Corinthians. Turn with me to Revelation 5, verse 9. I would recommend, don't, don't stay away from Revelation because sometimes it's hard to understand. But Revelation gives us such beautiful pictures of not only Jesus, but what is ahead of us. Revelation 5 verse 9 says this, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Jesus' life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection ransomed a people for God. And so we need to understand this morning that Jesus is the end. He's the goal of missions. And He's the goal because worship is the goal and worship is the end. There is one day when evangelism will end, when our church planting will end, but worship will never end. And neither will the community of faith. We will be brothers and sisters forever. Revelation 5 in verse 9 keeps going. Let's pick up at verse 10. It says, And you have made them a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Verse 11. Then I looked and heard around the throne and living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and i heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all 
that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped him. We get the same picture in Revelation 7, 9, 12 of the end is worship. The centerpiece is Christ. The mission of God then is to magnify the glory of God in all the earth because remember, glory is ultimate. Salvation is penultimate. We are saved to glorify. We go on mission so that people might give Jesus the worship that he deserves. To love God and each other launches us into mission. This mission is rooted in authority. But we need to also understand the Great Commission is centered in truth. We see this very clearly in verses 19 and 20 in Matthew 28. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Like our purpose statement, you see, the Great Commission has a methodology and it has a center. His mandate here is to make disciples. And here at Battleground Community Church, we call it disciple-making. Missions equals disciple-making. Because to go on mission is to go make disciples. And we see, look at the text. Of whom are we to make disciples? It says all nations. That's all people groups. People with a common ethnicity and culture and language. He tells us, to go make disciples. Well, who makes disciples? Well, disciples make disciples. Remember Jesus said to his to the disciples, Matthew 4, 19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We need to ask ourselves this morning, if we're not making disciples, are we really a disciple? See, a disciple is someone who follows Christ, who's been changed by him, who has surrendered not only to Christ, but to his mission. But you see, without the truth in the center of our mission, it is possible to go on mission and do more harm than good. When we began our adoption journey and we were just thinking and praying over it, we listened to Bodie Balkum and he provided just a good piece of advice for us because oftentimes we have a tendency to go on mission or to do things, even like adoption or foster care or anything else. And someone may think we're doing this ultimate good deed. We don't do this for what it feels like. We don't do it because we're doing some kind of ultimate good deed. He said it this way. There is something worse than being an orphan or being hungry or even being homeless. And that just impacted me. Listen today. What's a tragedy is to stand before God with no robe on and how terrible it would be for us to go on mission and feed the hungry and not give them the truth. So when we, we go, we must go with these two things in tension, the great commandment to love God and to love them and the great commission to make disciples of them centered in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus has issued an authoritative command to all followers, and that command is to make disciples. How? 
Mark Dever gives a, a really simple explanation. He says it's helping other people follow Jesus. That's our great mission. That's how we lead people to glorify. So what I want us to understand this morning is what we desire in helping other people to follow Jesus is to abide with them, to see a transformed heart, a transformed mind, transformed affections, a transformed will, a transformed relationship, transformed purpose, and a transformed community. So when you look at that and say, yes, the definition is simple, but this is long-term approach. This is long-term discipleship. This text also gives us a method. Their disciple-making is in the center. We have a method. We have things that surround it. And one of them is we baptize them. You see, baptizing identifies and professes the truth. It is an identification and a profession of both the person but also of the church. Matthew 3, you remember Jesus was baptized and John the Baptist didn't really want to baptize him. And Jesus says, let it be so, for thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. And then we see Peter, when he got up and preached that great sermon, he told people, you killed the king of glory. Remember, they said, what shall we do? Acts 2, verse 37. What did Peter say? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. So we see there is an order, there is a method for how we make disciples, we evangelize them, we baptize them, and then we teach them. And this teaching is to be centered in truth. We see it clearly, verse 20. Verse 20 says, Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. You see, there can be no authentic love where there is no absolute truth. Love without truth is hypocrisy. Love without sacrifice is just lust. And a promise without a devotion is a lie. We see the first church, this large group of people that said, what must we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. And we read in Acts 2.42 that they then devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Acts 20, verse 20. Paul was talking to the Ephesian elders and he says, he told them, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in two places. Look at it in public and house to house. They were doing this. They were sharing life. This was ongoing teacher, both teaching both how they scattered and, and how they gathered. All of this is discipleship. But, but notice the text. The goal is not us teaching. It's them obeying. To observe means to obey, to guard, to keep. It's present active. And if we've got any teachers in the crowd, we know that a teacher desires learners, not just listeners. You don't want people to listen to what you're saying. You want them to learn. And the Bible says how we know they have learned the truth, that they are following Christ, is that they obey. Listen very clearly this morning. We do not love if we do not bring the truth to bear in those that we are sent to. Listen, to give them you and not give them the truth is not the Great Commission. To give them truth 
and not give them you is not the great commandment. Let me say that again. To give them you and not give them the truth is not the great commission. But to give them truth and not give them you is not the great commandment. So we see you must have both to carry out the great commission. We, we make disciples by baptizing and teaching. But it requires us also to go. You see, goers seek to reproduce witnesses for the truth. Remember Acts 1.8? Here was, here's is the promise. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want to encourage us as Body Ground Community Church. We must be obedient and faithful to personally make disciples. This is just being on mission where we live. And yes, this is as you go. But this is intentional. Even in King's Mountain. The go in Matthew 28 is the same go in Acts 1.8. It requires intentionality. It's more that we have to go. You see, no one really went to Samaria on vacation. It's not like Jews would say, hey, let's go to Samaria. It's a nice place to hang out. No. See, that was the command. And if anyone was going to know Christ in Samaria, someone must intentionally go there. No one as you go through Samaria except for Jesus and his disciples. Do you see, without the great commandment, in the forefront of our minds and on our hearts, it will hinder the mission of God because we will go around even people in King's Mountain that's not like us. Brothers and sisters, we cannot make disciples by accident. It takes strategy. It takes intentionality about where you're going to eat, where you live, where you shop, where you work, in order to put yourselves in the pathway of the lost and the broken of this, our community that we live in. We must be faithful and consistent with our personal disciple-making, and we also must be obedient and faithful with our local disciple this is distinct because Battleground Community Church wants to seek to partner with other brothers and sisters that are already bringing the gospel and word and deed to Cleveland County and surrounding where our communities are, where our growth groups are. We want to partner with local communities. We hire developing and have developed Battleground Community Outreach that will be led by our deacons, work through our growth groups to make Christ followers in our own backyards. We must do this, though, carefully. We seek to do ministry that is both sustainable and reproducible, both locally and globally. That brings up our third area, that we want to be obedient and faithful globally. As long as there is unreached, there must be goers and they must be senders. But instead of asking, should I plan to stay, but I'm really willing to go, how do you know you're willing to go? Shouldn't we plan to go and be willing to stay? But the question is this morning, how do you know you're willing? Unless you make a plan. How do I know I'm willing to go unless I get my passport? Unless I get my finances in order? Battleground Community Church will seek to establish and strengthen God's church through our global disciple making. 
by how we go and how we sin. Listen to 3 John 5 to 8. It says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on a journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. And so I want to be clear this morning that I'm not giving us three categories, goers, senders, and those who pray. For we all pray. We all should pray. We all must pray. The mission of God sets on not only love for God, love for each other, but our dependence on God and prayer. But praying doesn't produce passivity. It doesn't produce nothing. Praying people should either go or they should send. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, True love is measured by the degree to which one loving is willing to subject himself to crosses and losses, to suffering and self-denials. With love comes responsibility, and that responsibility is grounded in truth. Our confidence is both that love and truth will prevail. Because not only is the gospel's power invincible, God has given a promise. His church will not fail. So we see, as we get to the end of the Great Commission in verse 20, that the Great Commission also brings us a comforting promise. And if there is one thing every week, sometimes in one verse, one word, that will just get me stuck, just a good stuck, just where I... I just can't get over the word. It's this word here at the beginning. Behold. Listen. It says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Behold is in the New Testament. Some 187 times used a lot by Jesus. It means to lift, to pay attention, to listen. But here's the question. Why does he tell them to listen after he's already given the Great Commission? Why wouldn't he say, behold, on the front of this, before he tells him to go make disciples? Why wouldn't he say it then? I think that's what got me about this word this week. And so, I want us to see this. Turn with me to Exodus 33 and look at verse 14. You see, beholding is always connected to the presence of God. And so we see in Exodus 33, verse 14, it says, and he said, my presence, remember, stop for a second. This is a conversation between God and Moses. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest, verse 15. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Brothers and sisters, we, not only us who are believers, all people, are created to behold it is the only place that we can find rest is in the beholding of God through Jesus Christ. Remember John 1.29? Again, at the beginning, John the Baptist, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's why we say that when we gather together, our purpose 
is to exalt Christ, to lead you and together to behold Christ and to exalt him for who he is and what he's done. Remember John 14, the disciples were troubled. They were trying to make sense of Jesus' leaving, of his death, and things that Jesus was saying they didn't understand. John 14, they said, Jesus said to him, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, will take you to myself, and where I am, you may be also. So we see the presence of Christ changes everything. How he comforted the disciples was to lead them to behold. You're going to be with me forever. I'm going to come back. I'm going to bring you to myself. One could read Matthew 28, 18-20 and say what comforts us as believers and what compels us as Christ's followers to go make disciples is His authority. It is His unchanging truth of Christ and it is His promised presence. That will lift you up this morning from your depression and set you on the rock. And it will also motivate you to send or to go to the ends of the world. Revelation 21, verse 2. Listen to this. I love this verse. It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Remember Acts 1.8 again? Jesus says, wait for the Spirit, and then you will be my witnesses. We can do nothing without Him, but with Him all things are possible. This drives us to the mission of God, but this morning, the main question I want to ask you is, can you behold Him? Are you able to? Another way to ask that question is, are you a child of God? The picture that I have in my mind this week as I think about this beholding is the picture of a conversation before the foundation of the world between the Father and Son. There was a day when the Son spoke my name. He spoke your name. And He said, Lay before me all the sins of Stephen, of Jeff, of Craig, and lay them out. And as I looked there at my sin, it was as wide and as deep as an ocean. And here's what I knew. One dropper full of that sin is worthy of eternal separation. And it brings you to the end of yourself because you say, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with all this sin? And Jesus speaks to the Father and he says, I will pay it. I will pull up all of that. I will soak up all of the, the penalty, the wrath 
the punishment that that sin deserves, and I will replace it with my righteousness. The question is, can you behold that this morning? 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. So, Battleground Community Church, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end. Battleground Community Church, may the world know that we are followers of Christ by how we love each other. Battleground Community Church, may all know that we are followers of Christ by how we love them in truth. And Battleground Community Church, may this love launch us to the mission of God so God might receive the worship that He alone deserves. To God be the glory, great things He has done and that He will do through His church. He has promised us the victory in Christ and we will not fail. Let's pray. And so God, we give this message and this service to You this at the beginning of Battleground Community Church. And we confess all together that we can do nothing apart from you, but with you we will seek to make disciples of our community and the world. And so, Lord, lead us now as, as we celebrate this day together to give you the glory for it, all that you have done in and through us, in and through Parkwood, that has set us on our path, and now we are their brothers and sister churches partnering with them for the gospel. Lord, we thank you for them. We thank you for what you are doing in us. Now be with us now as we go on mission together for the glory of your name. Receive our worship now. In Jesus' name, amen.